a Pulp MX Network production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me. This is the Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com Kiefer Tested Podcast. Rocky Mountain ATVMC is the trusted online source for parts, accessories, gear for dirt bikes, side-by-sides, dual sport bikes, ATVs, and street bikes. Basically, any fun thing you have in your garage, Rocky Mountain ATVMC.com has it. Low prices, unparalleled customer service, and free... Three-day shipping. It's easy to see why RockyMountainATVMC.com is the premier shopping destination for all of us. So why don't you go out there, if you're going to buy some stuff, walking out in your garage, just go ahead. Go to RockyMountainATVMC.com. And you know what else? Rutted Racing. Rutted Racing sponsors Henry Miller. Henry Miller has been killing the AMA Outdoor National Series this year. He had some trouble in uh, Bud's Creek, but he will be back in Indiana with the help of these guys, and they're helping us. Rutted Racing brings a more fitted and more comfortable apparel line to the off-road racing community. Noticing in the industry the only way to get a long enough shirt for the taller rider was to get an oversized one that didn't fit, and that's lame. Six foot five, rider and owner, Clint, and his wife, April, took into their own hands to bring something new to the off-road racing world. A longer, more fitted men's clothing and softer, more comfortable fitting women's and children's apparel. Whether you're a taller rider looking for shirts that fit, for, or maybe you're an average height rider looking for a longer yet, not, yet maybe not a wider cut, that's me. That's who I am. Rudder Racing has you covered. Check out Rutted Racing's entire product line at ruttedracing.com and give Rutted Racing a follow on Instagram at Rutted Racing. That's right. They are here. They've been helping us out. They help Henry Miller. So go to the website, ruttedracing.com, and uh, check them out. So today we're here to talk about, um, well, last week we talked about the KX250, and this week... Um, we're here to talk about the 2018 KX450. Um, I've been struggling with this bike for the last couple years. Um, just to be completely transparent with you guys, it's uh, it was tough to ride that bike a lot when I was at Dirt Rider, just because we had to move on to the next real quick. You know, we would do the first impression, mess with some settings, and then we would bail, and then we'd get to shootouts. And you know, when you have nine to ten guys, you you know, you have your stock settings, you maybe get to switch it one or two times, and then you have to move on so the next guy can get in. Well, the benefit now of doing Kiefer Inc. testing and doing this Kiefer Tested podcast is I can get the bike, and yeah, if it's not perfect right away, I can go mess with it. So um, I've been riding the bike quite a bit lately um, on the DL, too. I mean, I've had it for a while, so... 
Um, I want to, I wanted to get it out there that I was writing it, but also don't want to, you know, blast it at, sh- blast it out socially every time I'm going to ride the thing, you know, and like, hey, I'm doing this and this and this. This is why this podcast is here. This is what I'm doing, and uh, and yeah, so we're here to talk about the the 18 KX450F. The 2017 bike and 18 bike are exactly the same, minus the shroud graphics. I really studied this in the garage the other day because I thought they were the same, but the shade is different. So um, for all of you guys out there that must know, um, BNG is uh, is in for 18. But um, they changed this bike a couple years ago with frame changes, engine changes, and uh, made it lighter. So... Kawasaki focused everything on the KX250F for 2018, but from what I hear, um, I hear 2019 is going to be a great year for the KX450F. It's basically going to be an all-new machine. Um, I've heard, and you know, don't quote me on this, I'm no Steve Mathis, but uh, I hear that they're going to go back to a spring fork, which would be... Whew, in all honesty, this would make the bike um, so much better because in this podcast you will hear that most of uh, the the problems that I I run into are are the fork. But hey, we worked on this a while. I got some settings for you guys to talk about. So anyway, my experience with the Kawasaki um, always been a stable machine. Um, I don't know if you guys read my stuff on PulpMX.com about ten things about the the Kawasaki, but. Me being a manufacturer test rider um, for many years, the the KX450F frame has always been one of the benchmarks for other manufacturers to to try to achieve bump absorption. I would I'm trying to think back. I think it was 2000. I want to say 2012, 2013. We used the KX450F a lot um, for a comparison bike. Um, most of you out there know a baseline bike, a number three bike. So we use that machine to try to make, uh, you know, the current machine that I was working on from another manufacturer as good as the Cowie. And back then, the Cowie wasn't the sharpest cornering bike, but it handled well. It cornered decently, um, but it was super stable, and the bump absorption was superb. Um, you know, fast forward to 2018. Um, this bike is no exception. Um, they made some frame changes, obviously, since then. But this frame is uh, really good and has a lot of comfort. But we'll get into that more. But basically, my experience with this bike has been has been well perceived. The engine's nothing to get crazy on. It's no, you know, it doesn't have the excitement as, like a like a Honda or, or like a Yamaha. But it, it's pretty good. So. Um, we'll just dive right into the engine, actually, since we're talking about it. So, I got this bike. Obviously, the Kawasaki, every manufacturer breaks these bikes in. I get them at usually between one to two hours old. So, pretty, you know, well broken in. Um, I don't do much break-in time when I receive these bikes. Um, so, I've went to Glen Helen. I've went to Sunrise. Um, I've went to Comp Edge. I have went to Paris with this bike. So those tracks kind of covered a lot of different aspects for this engine. And although this engine doesn't have the bottom end um, excitement or torque feel like the Yamaha and Honda do, or 
or even the KTM for that matter. The KTM comes on a little smoother, but this has a, a nice linear um, feel to it when I roll out of a corner. It's not jerking um, my hands off the bars. It rolls on nice and smooth, and it transitions to a really good wide mid-range power that pulls actually pretty far into a top end that I really like, actually. Um, and I don't, and you know, the 17 and 18 haven't changed, but you know, this bike, you know, compared to our, our test bike at Dirt Rider, seems to pull a little bit better, but it's the exact same motor. You know, sometimes you get those differences between bikes. I don't know, but um, this mid range and top end is really good. It's easy to ride. Um, I do notice that if the track's tilled up really deep and I have to come out of a corner and try to clear some jumps, I really have to get on the throttle hard and uh, let it rev out in second gear to get over some stuff, unlike a Yamaha or a Honda where I can just go rah, and it'll get right over right away. It doesn't have the meat like those two bikes down low, like, like those two bikes do down low. So, um, but like I said, on the flip side of that, it makes it really easy to ride. So I do like that aspect of it. Um, I get on the bike. The more I ride this engine, the more I like it. Um, it doesn't excite me right away. You guys are you're not going to go buy this bike and hop on it and you're like, holy crap, this engine is amazing. But over time, you learn to appreciate um, the engine and the Cowie because it's easy to ride. And similar to the KTM, like the KTM super easy to ride down low, but it also climbs very, very good on mid to top and has amazing over-rev. I would say the Cowie similar in the mid-range to a KTM up to the top end where the KTM just pulls farther up top and has more over-rev. So the Cowie does sign off a little bit sooner than the Orange Bikes, um, but I feel like it climbs farther, the Cowie does, climbs farther than a Honda. So a Honda seems to um, have the over-rev a little bit shorter. It doesn't rev quite as far as the Cowie. So, there's a lot of good traits about this this engine. Um, they don't. I've read some reviews in the past, last year on you know on on Vital and these MXA shootouts, and they don't really get too hyped up on the engine. And I would have to agree on that, but I do um, think that the usability of the engine is really good. So um, you're dealing with 450 cc's of power. We don't need a whole shit ton of power, especially. Uh, you know, I'm 170 pounds, so I'm not a, I'm not exactly um, a heavier guy. So I don't need all of all of that grunt at times, especially when I get tired. Um, going to the coupler system that the Kawasaki has, um, I ran the stock coupler for a couple days. Um, I did experience some popping on D cell. Um, I checked all the joints and the exhaust, and those were all tight. But only when this motor got hot. Did it have some decel popping? So I wanted to see what the lean coupler did, thinking that the 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 decel pop would get worse. Amazingly enough, when I put the lean coupler in, um, the decel pop wasn't as apparent when it got hot, um, which blows my mind because usually when you go to a leaner setting, you're going to get more decel pop. It's going to be leaner, right? So um, for whatever reason, and I got to ask the Cowie guys this: Why would that happen? But uh, the leaner coupler to me is a better setting. There is a there is something you have to watch out for though um, on the lean coupler. The lean coupler is when it's very warm. It's been 
above 90 degrees here in Southern California for a long time. So I've been out riding and testing these bikes in between 90 and 100 degrees. Um, for you Canadians out there, it's about, I think, 30, 30 Celsius. So getting better at that, by the way. Um, the lean coupler is good. It gives you more bottom in excitement. So you'll get a little bit more. You'll get a little bit extra mid-range pull, but um, top end suffers a little bit. You'll lose some of that. But if you guys are looking for more pulling power in the lower RPM range, the lean coupler is really good. I kind of like using that lower RPM power, so I like that lean coupler. But like I said, when it gets hot, you will hear some detonation. So try to stick to good fuel. Um, I went and tried some uh, just regular VPT4E, and I tried it back to back with some pump gas. It did help some detonation. I still felt some when it was uh, you know, upwards to 100 degrees. Um, so just pay attention if you do go to the lean coupler and it's warm. And if it starts detonating, um, go back to the standard green coupler and it will stop doing that. It never really detonated at all when I had the stock coupler in. So just be um, conscious of that and listen to your engine. Don't be a jackass and just go rip and then all of a sudden your Kawasaki blows up and you call the Kawasaki a piece of shit because it blew up. Well, as riders, we have to pay attention to the bikes and, and listen to see what they're doing and, and hear things. So um, I personally like the lean coupler. You guys can try it. Just make sure to watch out for the temperature. Um, going to the complicated part about this bike, the suspension. Um, the Showa suspension, um, as you guys know, I'm not a big fan of the air fork, and this is the SFF um, Air TAC fork, which means you have to check three separate fork air pressures. Pain in the ass, right? When it first came out, we were like, oh, it's, it's going to be better. It's going to have better bottom resistance. It's lighter. Um, well, it doesn't really have better bottoming resistance. I still bottom the fork. Um, and it's kind of a pain in the ass to adjust and check all the time. So I'm not a huge fan of that. The fork's action um, is decent. The mid-stroke is not that bad. It doesn't have a really harsh feel. And I'm looking at my notes right here, and I'll give you some stock readings and what I've came up with. But just initially, excuse me, just initially off the right off the bat, just setting it to stock settings, um, the top of the stroke is pretty harsh feel like on light bump so it deflects a little bit mid-stroke has decent comfort but the ends kind of empty feel and i do bottom this fork when i hit um, sharp transitions in uh on some jumps like at paula or even sometimes at sunrise where they have real short faces and they're steep and you're hitting them at speed it kind of bottoms so um i thought that was really weird for for an air fork um and this is stuff that i've felt over the last year or so too with last year's bike and um, but I had more time this year to really try to dial in some settings. So uh, if you guys want to grab a, a pencil and a piece of paper, um, I'll give you some settings that I've tried that get you added comfort um, initially and keep that, that mid-stroke feel, but also give you some better bottoming resistance all the while, while you're trying to keep that front end traction as high as you can coming into corners, because this is what this fork does, right? It doesn't leave you with a whole shit ton of front end traction when you're coming into corners, leaning. Once you're 
past the midway part of the corner, it's it's pretty good. I like it. But it's that setup that's difficult. So with with this fork, the stock readings are the inner inner chamber is 152 psi, the outer chamber is 16.5, and the balance is 174. Compression is 5 out, rebound is 12. So the best setting that I came up with, and I've done a whole shit ton of testing with this thing the last couple weeks, was uh, go to your inner chamber, put 167 pounds PSI um, in there, your outer chamber leave at 16.5, and balance chamber go to 183. Compression go to 7 out, between 7 and 8, I did both and just it's your preference but go to seven or eight and rebound slow the fork down a little bit go to 10 or 11 out so basically what this does is you're stiffening the fork a little bit so it, you know it doesn't bottom as much but your balance chamber you're changing your balance chamber so it actually moves down in the stroke as well so you got some front end traction um, very confusing I know but I've had some time this fork um, a lot more time this year, like I said, and I think this gets you to the happiest point in your life with this fork as you're going to be. Um, it's not going to be a spring fork feel, guys, so don't uh, expect this to be like massive amounts of comfort. It's not. It's not like horrible, but um, it's just not something that I like over the course of a long day because obviously um, you will get to this setting and you will like it. And you'll ride all day, and by the end of the day, it'll, it won't feel the same. You'll get less comfort, a little bit more harshness, and a little bit less front-wheel traction. So that's the nature of the beast when we work with these air forks. They fluctuate. Um, they change during the day. Um, but try that fork setting to see if uh, you guys like it. You can always, like I said, you can always hit me up at chris at keferinktesting.com, and uh, I'll try to get back to you. Do not DM me in my Twitter I just checked my Twitter today, and it was like 85 DMs. I, I didn't even go through them. So just go to my website. I try to answer 95% of the people that hit me up. So um, if you have any questions, you can talk about this fork with me. Going to the shock. Um, the shock I don't have too many uh, complaints about. I'm looking at my notes here, and um, at a couple tracks, um, I noticed it was maybe a little bit soft. Um, high speed feel so the stock shock settings are low speed you're at 13 high speed you want two turns out rebounds 13 and the sag is like 104 105 for stock I went my best settings um, compression on the low speed 10 high speed compression went 1.5 out rebound at 11 and sag at 102 to 103. This gives you a little bit more front end bite. This helps the high speed a little bit from bottoming, keeps holds the rear end up a little bit when you're accelerating out of corners. Um, overall balance of the bike feels real good. And um, I don't bottom near as much, kind of like empty feeling like I mentioned in the fork. Same with the shock, kind of has like an empty feel um, when it does get warm and it gets hot. Um, it kind of bottoms out. So going to those um, changes, stiffen them up, it helps. Um, it's it's sad to me because the fork, 
doesn't have as much comfort as a shock, and I feel like if they had a spring fork, both ends would be really nice, and this bike could really change some uh, some minds out there in shootouts because uh, it's just it's just a good bike, but I think that fork's holding it back. But the shock's really good, so going to a sag at 103 millimeters as well. They might you my guys you, out there, you guys uh, hit me up. You think they're a little high? Well, it's about two millimeters higher um, than stock, but to me that helps me get some extra bite on that front wheel and make it turn in a little bit easier. Like, if you guys listen to this podcast, you guys know that I'm a front-end steering rider, um, and uh, I need that front-end traction, so I uh, compensate with the sag. And going back to the fork, I left the stock height, so I think it's 5 mil up, so I always left that uh, stock height there. I try to adjust and always went back to a stock height, so just uh, just know that. Hey guys, got some artwork done? Want to make up some t-shirts? Hit up ScreenPrintingDone.com. These guys produce t-shirts, hoodies, hats for any occasion. Whether you need t-shirts for your employees, t-shirts for your track, or t-shirts for your event, these guys can make it happen. Maybe you're wanting to start your own clothing brand. Everyone's doing it. God knows they are. Um, Mention Kiefer in the contact when you email them and get 10 free t-shirts, dude. That's sick. 10 free t-shirts with your order. Even if you only order even if you only order 12 shirts, dude, you're getting 10 free shirts. That's insane. So you can actually make some money. So go to screenprintingdone.com and uh, hit them up, mention the word kefir, get some free stuff, make some money. It's a win-win. Going to the chassis on the 2008 KX450 um the chassis overall, like I said, we're going to go back to the frame absorption. Very, very comfortable when you hit square edge at speed. The bike never really moves. And dare I say, it has like a dead feeling, almost steel frame-ish. Um, it, it's pretty amazing to me how they could get a frame to um, go as straight as they go as straight as it can go. Like I'm down a straightaway, right? And at Paula one day, it had some huge square edge bumps after this landing, and you accelerated. And I'm not going to mention what other bike I had, because I'll get that in the shootouts. But on other bikes, it kind of had a wiggle, or it had like a, a deflection that it made me really uncomfortable. But with the Cowie, man, it stayed planted. Um, the tire stuck to the ground. I love this, this frame feel. I just wish it would corner a little bit better, but you know, like I said before, you gotta have to give and take. So, uh, chassis feeling is really good. Bump absorption's really good. I like that part of it. Um, for me, it's still flickable. Like I can still throw it into jumps, and it feels light. Um, it's funny because it still feels lighter to me than a uh, 2018 YZ450F. Um, so. The overall feeling of the chassis on this bike is is good. I just still um, feel like it's a little bit more rear wheel biased. Um, way better than a um, couple years ago when it was, man, I had to steer that thing with the rear end. So I do notice when I sit on the bike, it's a little bit lower in the rear. And I, and I did raise the sag up, but I still feel like I'm sitting you know, back and it, it takes a little bit of time to get used to. But I still feel like it's way better than it was a couple years ago. And it has more front-end bite than, you know, 
three to four years ago, but um, I do think for me, I still like a, a more front and bias bike like a Honda and uh, a Yamaha for cornering. But straight line guys, I mean, it doesn't get much better uh, than a KX450F. And I'm sure most of you off-road guys that, you know, listen to this stuff can attest to that. And um, I see these guys out here in the work series um, that are doing well and they're on Kawasaki's and I've talked to them before about it and they're like, yeah, you know, we tried other bikes. It's just simply too twitchy for us to ride out here on these courses where they're fast roads and they get um, large sand whoops or square edge holes in between them. So um, the Kawasaki's known for a good chassis and uh, the 2018 is no exception. So um, just know you're going to get more stability than you are going to get cornering character. Um, Ergos is cool. Kawasaki has several adjustments. Um, the pegs move uh, 5 mil. Uh, you can adjust uh, the bars. There's, uh, f what, four-position bar mount, so you can adjust that. I'm six foot. I didn't really screw with them. I've tried it. I tried moving the pegs. Um, didn't really like it. I like where they have it stock. Um, I've always been pretty... Uh, pretty neutral when it comes to production bikes and leaving them where they're at. Um, one, because I feel comfortable. And two, I know how much R&D process goes into that. I know most of the R&D guys at each manufacturer. I know how tall they are and who they are. So um, going through all that whole process that I've been through, I know they tested the crap out of it, and that's a good position to start with. So for those of you guys that are 6'5", um, you know, obviously you're going to want to move your bars, but I'm in the middle there, so I leave everything alone. And you don't really sit in on the Kawasaki anymore like you used to a few years ago. You're kind of on top of the bike more. I like the seat shape. Um, going to Kawasaki, we've talked about this. I think I talked about this on the, the 10 things on pulpamex.com is 7 eighths bars. Um, there is a place for 7 eighths bars on stock production machines, people. There's a reason why they do it, rigidity balance, right? So we've talked about that before. And there's a cost value that, you know, obviously it's less expensive to put on the bike using a 7 8 bar. It's a Renthal 971 bend, which is the same as a Honda bend. Um, so it's a little bit of a taller taller bend, but it doesn't feel as tall um, like it does on the Honda. When I sit on the Honda, I feel like the bars are up a little bit, um, kind of like ape hanger-ish. On the Kawasaki, it doesn't feel that way. So I think I'm sitting on top of the bike more a little bit, so that's why it doesn't feel that way. But I really like 7 8 bars. Like, if every manufacturer just stayed with 7 8 bar, I would not hate on it. Uh, I'd feel a lot of flex. Um, a lot of these pro Supercross guys, the reason why they don't run them is, A, they're stronger, right? So if they crash, they can get up and win the race. I'm not worried about winning races. I'm worried about uh, being comfortable and going fast without crashing but also they use them because a lot of guys like oversized bars and solid mounts for cornering preciseness so some of these guys push the corner so hard that they feel the bars flex and move and they're and they're turning the bars but yet that little tiny bit where it's flexing either a in the rubber mounted area or b the 7 8 bar area where it flexes more they feel like it doesn't give them the cornering preciseness that an oversized bar does or a solid mount does. So for the mass consumer out there, I think a 7 8 bar is still good. 
um, and rubber mounts are very, very good for aluminum frame bikes. So um, Kawasaki, if you're listening, don't worry about going an oversized bar. Don't give in. These people are like, oh, it's cheap. Or, you know, MXA saying, you know, oh, they got 7.8 bars. Don't worry about it. Stick to the 7.8 program. It's good. It's comfortable. It's cheaper. Like, you guys go out there and crash and bend a pair of 7.8 bars. It's 50 bucks, if less. You can go to RockyMountainATVMC.com. It's 50 bucks. It's it's not a big deal, you know? So be comfortable on the machine and be happy. Don't go to some, you know, this rigid crap. I see some of these guys throw on their bikes, you know, these, oh, I'm putting these clamps on and putting these bar mounts and these one and one eight bars. It's going to be sick. No, it's not. It's going to blow out your wrist and it's going to suck, suck nuts. So anyway... Not to get on a, on a tangent about that, but 7.8 bars is fine, so everyone calm down. So, things I'm going to do to this bike, I'm going to, uh, right now, just actually funny, just right before I record this, I just got a FMF muffler system I'm going to put on this thing and see if that wakes up the power down low anymore. We'll do a test on that on keyfrinktesting.com, and we'll see if that gets you some more uh, excitement out of those corners, and it's really loamy. Um... Since this bike hasn't changed much in 2018, I'm probably going to do a project bike with this with, uh, don't know who yet. That's still on the list to figure it all out. But I want to do a bunch of build, want to build the motor a little bit, get some suspension on there, find some spring forks, put that on there, um, and try to get this bike to be a little bit more exciting in the engine department and have it corner a little bit better, a.k.a. spring forks, dress it up a little bit, and really uh, see what it's capable of when you do some modifications to it. Because I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential with this bike. I just think it needs a little bit of TLC. And uh, I think it'd be really, really fun to ride. So I've got Vet Nationals coming up in November, which I'm you know contemplating now. If, uh, if TP11 wants to do it, I think I'm in with him. And uh, I might... Um, get this project bike going and maybe race that sucker Glen Helen because it's fast, square edgy, and that frame's really good there. So if I can get this thing to corner a little bit better and get some more power out of her for a big old hole shot down that long straightaway, I might ride that sucker. So first things first, we're going to bolt that FMF system on there, see if we can get some more power, um, and then might go try an ignition. If not, we might go um, out with Kawasaki uh, for a day of testing and maybe get another map and try some different mapping. Um, another cool thing, Kawasaki does offer a mapping, you know, they have a mapping tool that you can buy, I think, on their accessories site. Um, we tried messing around with it at Dirt Rider. Um, it, was, it was difficult for me. Like I said, I'm a novice you know, mechanic. Um, I could do some remapping, but it's not as easy as the Yamaha Power Tuner or even the, the Power Tuner app, which is basic. So um, look for Kawasaki and probably most other manufacturers to have something like that um, coming out in the future where it's a lot easier for the consumer to uh, adjust their mapping. So I'm um, going to do that right now, but I'm um, going to get back to it and get on this thing and continue on and do another follow-up podcast about this bike later in the year, hopefully by the holidays, and give you a living with um, Kawasaki. So uh, um, hopefully you guys get back to me. And um, like I said, if you have any questions, 
Chris at KieferInkTesting.com, and uh, we'll answer your questions. And we'll be back next week, hopefully with some Suzuki talk and or Alta talk. So a lot of things on my list here to do for the Kiefer Tested Podcast. So stay tuned. See ya.